Well, it's good to see you on this Father's Day this morning. Hopefully, you are doing something great for your dad or remembering him in a great way. Um, I know I had a, an awesome dad um, growing up, made life a lot of fun, but grounded us in his word, in God's word. And this morning, <clears throat> we were getting ready, and um, uh, Alana knew it was Father's Day. She hadn't said anything yet, and uh, with a little bit of prompting, she looks at me with big eyes, and she goes, Dad, happy Mother's Day. <laughs> well, okay, all right. It was a, it was a good effort, all right? <laughs> um, yeah, I always kind of thought, I was like, I think Father's Day was a little bit of a, you know, an, an after effect of Mother's Day, you know? Um, and then, of course, a lot of confirmed it for me. Happy Mother's Day. Uh, but if you are a dad in here, I'd uh, like to welcome you and or anybody else who's here in the room or with us online. Uh, we're glad that you're all here. And we're coming to the end uh, of a series. So if you can believe it or not, we've been uh, working through the first part of the book of Psalms. And we're going to be ending on Psalm 21 next week. Oh, no. I know it's sad, right? Think about the end of a series. Uh, and, and all the time and the thought we've put into it and invested in it. Well, it is coming to an end. And today, I wanted to give us a little bit of focus on this living name. Uh, so my guess is uh, most of you probably know your dad, a few of you maybe not, and that's okay. And we've all been given a name, right? So we were given a first name, but then normally this last name that we're given, it's, it's a little more significant to us. It's our family name, right? It's a name that ties us to other people in our family unit, and it was given to us by our father's side of the family. Uh, and so as we think about those things, I want to share with you a video about God's name and how we'll be talking about this living name this morning. So turn your attention to the screens. There's something about a name. A name is given, but often it signifies something deep about the person. Like God changed a lot of people's names in the Bible to show change in that person. God himself is the only being to name themselves from square one. And we get that name of God right at the very beginning of the Bible. The Bible begins, in the beginning, God. But there are lots of names of God in scripture. Which one did the Holy Spirit inspire Moses to write to start out the greatest story of the universe? Who is the main character in the history of existence? God. And here his name is Elohim. It's a word that's always plural, signifying the unfolding mystery of the Trinity right from the first verse of the Bible. El is one form of the name, which is singular. It's used often, Genesis 7, Numbers 23, Ezekiel 10. Elah is plural. That's used in Jeremiah 10. But here we get Elohim. That's the name we're looking at. And it is also plural, but it implies three or more. Elohim was also used of pagan gods in the ancient cultures, making it like the word God in English, which can be used to describe the God of the Bible as well as other gods. It's a spiritual name uh, for something non-physical and supreme. Elohim is used 32 times in Genesis 1 and 2,500 times in the Old Testament. It's the original name for God in the Bible. And just like our English word God, it's the most basic and common name for God. It also has the implication of a ruler or a magistrate over the world. It's the name that Abraham used when he said that Elohim would provide a lamb for the sacrifice. It's the name that Jacob said to Joseph on his deathbed, Elohim will be with you. When Moses came to Mount Horeb, it was called the mountain of Elohim. Joshua said to Achan, give Elohim praise. Malachi said, will man rob Elohim? 
Jesus Christ, with his clothes stripped and his arms forced to hold up his body by the weight of itself and the pain of two nails in his hands and one in his feet, said, Eloi, Eloi, which is the Aramaic form of Elohim. It's the key original and wonderful name of the one that brought the universe into existence. Even if you only speak English, you can pray to God using his original Hebrew name. You can say Elohim as you pray. Through God's names, we learn more about God. My hope, though, is that it won't stop there, that you wouldn't just know more about God, but that you would truly know God. So through knowing his names, we find out a lot more about him, right? And I love that, looking at kind of the original text and how many different names there are for God and what they're used for is really important. It helps us understand who God is. And we have a name as well, and when we think about that, it usually comes with some sort of understanding. People hear our name or our last name, and they think, oh, I know that about that family. And we hope that it's good. We hope that it represents God. Uh, But today we'll be looking at this living name, so the living name of God, which is greater than any other name that there is. Um, and I love that today, too, if we think about it, um, this was uh, a year ago, the first Sunday that we returned to in-person services, and so we were really excited about that, and then we were also celebrating the church turning 200 years old, and now this year, the church turns 201 years old, and so now there's these signs that um, God, <clears throat> even though maybe we doubt it at times, He sustained us, right? And with that living name, He did that, and now we're here a year later, and we're going, okay, what does God have next? And I know we're asking Uh, you guys to pray about a lot of things that are going on right now and say, um, God, we want to be faithful to whatever you want us to do. And I think we can do that when we focus on this living name that he's shown us and that he's given us. Now, in Psalm chapter 20, it's a little bit different psalm than in other psalms. David is a little bit older. He's uh, about to go into battle again with the Philistines. And uh, as you know, Philistines are kind of a thorn in David's side. He never really um, completely eradicates everybody. There's like one. There's a, always a few Philistines that show up uh, throughout the story of the Old Testament. And David's about to go into battle again. He, he's getting his guys ready, and then he he does something else, which we kind of forget in in our time period, right? We know we we worship God and we think about uh, those things and we do them regularly in services. But David was getting together the the worshipers. He was getting together the choirs. He was getting together the musicians, and they were going to offer this song of praise to God. And David was going to chime in a couple of times, say a few things, so we'll get to see that. Uh, but when they're on the cusp of going into battle, he says, let's get the worshipers together. Let's get those who are going to lead us in worship, and let's, let's praise God for who he is before we go in and do what he wants us to do. Uh, and so that's something we need to remember as we, uh, we think about this, this living name. He wants us to think about him in more significance than just the everyday, oh yeah, I follow God. Uh, what more does it mean, and what, what response does it merit in us? Well, the first fill-in-the-blank is going to tell us something, confidence in name, simply that we have confidence in who he is, in his name. <clears throat> and in verse 1, it says, May the Lord answer you in the day of trouble. May the name of the God of Jacob protect you. Uh, and so I love this because it says here, May the Lord, Jehovah, we've seen that word used over and over again. And then it says, may the name of the God of Jacob protect you. And this word here is Elohim, so we talked about that in the video. It's plural sense. In the Old Testament, a lot of times it points to uh, God as the Trinity, so the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And so throughout the Bible, we see this, and God's regular use of this regular name that's used for him 
is this word. And so we, you, know, you saw in the video too, it was used a lot of times throughout the Bible. And it can get confusing. And it was used for other gods as well that were little g-gods. But when it's used here for the God, for the one true God, it means something more significant to us. And it gives us power. And so when the choir starts out, the people are praising God. They say, may the Lord answer you in the day of your trouble. When you go into a great battle, this is what they're talking about. May the Lord answer you. May the name of the God of Jacob protect you. So this was significant, and, and these names were used in correlation with, uh, with significant figures in the Old Testament. So they would say the God of Jacob, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and that was meant to point the people to the one true God. So if you said, God, may God lead you, may he take care of you, it was a lot less casual than that. They said, may the God of Jacob So everybody knew who they were talking about, right? So they didn't want there to be any confusion when they're singing about this God, may the God of Jacob. He's our God also. May he protect you. This word's used in Genesis 1.1. It says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. So in the beginning, the Elohim created the heavens and the earth. So this is not God, again, that's some made-up God, right? Some God that, that in pagan traditions they have created. They said, we're going to worship this God. Now, the people of God, they're, they're making sure to set things apart, to set things straight before they even kind of get into it. Say, well, here's the God that's going to protect us, the God of Jacob, the Elohim of Jacob. And in verse 2, <clears throat> it says, May he send help from the sanctuary and give support from Zion. So as we have confidence in his name, we think about verse 2 and how um, this help, it comes from somewhere, right? It comes from heaven. It comes from God's heavenly realm, who he is, the place that he dwells. And I like this word here, the sanctuary. Um, In the Hebrew, it's this word kodesh, and it's used throughout the Hebrew text. It's found in Exodus 3, 5. It says, then he said, do not come near. Take your sandals off your feet, for the place on which you are standing is holy ground. And so this was taking place when, when Moses was having an encounter with God, and he goes in there, he doesn't really know exactly what's going on, and God says, take off your sandals, because this is the place that you're coming into, it's holy, it's this word, Kodesh. And so what the people of God, they're singing, they're praising God, they're pointing out before they go into battle, may he send you help from this holy place, from this sanctuary. And now we worship in a sanctuary, right? So we worship in this place, and we, we do think that as we come here, uh, we have this special um, presence of God, right? This, this holy place that we get to be together and sing songs and then talk about God. But when these people are singing about this, when they're talking about it, they're saying, we want this holy presence, and it's going to come, it's going to give us support from where God dwells. And we see this same idea in 1 Peter. So you might think, well, 1 Peter, that's in the New Testament. Well, here in 1 Peter 1, 13 through 16, uh, Peter, he's actually quoting Leviticus. So I'll just read what it says. He says in uh, verse 13 of 1 Peter 1, Therefore, prepare your minds for action, being sober-minded. Set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance, but as he who called you is holy... You also be holy in all your conduct, since it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. And Peter's using this Greek word, the hagios, uh, which is um, used to kind of help us understand how the saints are set apart. So are, are we holy? Yes, because God's holy. It's not because we are intrinsically, it's because he is, and he imparts that to us. And then he says here at the end, he quotes Leviticus 11.44, which says, 
for I am the Lord your God. Consecrate yourselves, therefore, and be holy, Kodesh, for I am holy, Kodesh. So there's this separation. There's this, this understanding that we're, we're talking to a God. We're asking a God for help. We're asking a God for protection as we go into battle that's different than all the rest of the gods, little g, that are out there, all right? And we want to make sure that not only the people around us understand that, <clears throat> but as we are seeking God and we're praising Him, He goes, oh yeah, I understand. They know what they're saying, right? Because sometimes we might even get confused. We just go, you know, we, we sit down to pray before a meal and we go, God, thanks for the food. Amen, right? And so <clears throat> at times it seems like maybe, maybe it's less significant to us. Maybe His name is less significant, but it's extremely significant and it's the most important name that we could have because we have confidence in it, who He is for us. <clears throat> and then in verse 13, says, may he remember all your offerings and regard with favor your burnt sacrifices. And so we, we see this idea that, that God, he desires holiness, right? He desires righteousness for us to come to him um, wholeheartedly. And we have confidence in his name as we approach him rightly. Because they say, may he remember all your offerings and regard with favor your burnt sacrifices. Because he's got this memory that's perfect. So underneath his name, he remembers everything, right? Everything we've done that's good or bad. And, and luckily, as we seek God, he's covered us uh, from, from anything that we've ever done. And when the people say it here, may he remember all your offerings and regard with favor your burnt sacrifices. I, I thought about Cain and Abel. And so you remember the story of Cain and Abel in Genesis 2, or in Genesis 4, 2 through 7. It says, and again, she bore his brother Abel. Now Abel was a keeper of the sheep and Cain a worker of the ground. In the course of time, Cain brought to the Lord an offering of fruit of the ground. And Abel also brought the firstborn of his flock of their fat portions, and the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering. But for Cain and his offering, he had no regard. So Cain was very angry, and his face fell. And the Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry? Why is your face fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? If you do not do well, sin is crouching at your door. Its desire is contrary to you, but you must rule over it. <clears throat> so before the, uh, the, this instance took place, before Cain killed Abel, God was, he was saying some things to, to, to him. He was going, hey, watch out. You need to be careful because this path that you're going down, it's not so good. And because you're not seeking me rightly, you're going to be more prone to do these things because he says, he says right here that the sin is crouching at your door, right? That means it's ready to strike, isn't it? It means it's ready to take place. And so he's trying to remind him, hey, turn. Turn the ship, turn the ship, because you still have time. And under this name, we know that God, he's, he's got this perfect memory. He understands everything. He remembers everything. And I, I just want to ask us this question. Uh, who do we trust in? So as we think about this, this is the phrase to remember, as we think about who we trust in, under this name, it's easy to say, yes, we trust in Elohim, right? We trust in Jehovah. We could list off a bunch of different names uh, of who God is and what that means, but do we really believe that because the people of God as they're about to go into battle many times they were outnumbered they're outgunned but they said here's the God that we trust in he doesn't forget anything so as you're going into battle he's going to remember the sacrifice that you made was it a right one was it a wrong one was it a half-hearted one I don't know that's why they're saying they're saying they're going to remember this sacrifice so let's make sure we make it a right one and so here's the second fill in the blank the assurance of salvation now we know that we have that through what Jesus Christ has done for us on the cross. But the people of God knew it too. They were, they were God's covenant people. And so they knew they walked in God's favor and his grace. And it came with following him 
faithfully. And so we have this assurance of salvation, but so did the people. And when we ask ourselves this question, what do, we, what do you trust in? Uh, we, we need to look back to this, that we have confidence in the name, but we also have assurance. And in verse 4, it says, May he grant your heart's desire and fulfill your plans. So, so where does this start from? They're going into battle. Their desire is to win the battle, right? Nobody goes into a fight going, I hope I lose, right? Um, nobody like, goes after school, goes out to the yard where the bully is, and he's waiting for you, and uh, you're going, I hope I don't win this fight, right? I hope I don't win it, right? Uh, and so the people of God are going, may he grant you your heart's desire and fulfill your plans. And their heart's desire was, right, it was to protect the people. It was to protect who God's people are, who their name was. They had confidence in him, but they also had assurance, right? So may God give you those desires, fulfill all your plans. And in verse 5, it says, May we shout for joy over your, your salvation, and in the name of our God, set up our banners. May the Lord fulfill all your petitions. So as the, pe- the people, the choir, the people who are praying and singing and they're getting ready and David's like, yeah, yeah, let's, let's keep it going. He's cheering on the choir and everybody's hearing what's being said. Uh, this word is said, may we shout for joy over your salvation in the name of our God, set up our banners. May the Lord fulfill your petitions. Now, when he talks about the banners, I don't know if you've seen like, you know, uh, medieval, you know, battles and movies or things like that, but they normally had like banners, right? So they would go into battle, and they'd be carrying the name of their kingdom, of their country, of their, you know, king, and they'd be going in, they're like, yeah, this is who we represent, so you better watch out. Well, as the people of God were going into battle, they were carrying the names of God on banners. And as they're singing, and as they're praying, they're getting ready to go, there's a reason they say this, and in the name of our God, set up our banners. Because uh, they've got the banners, they've got God's name, but they're saying, hey, God, this, we, we worship we, you, we know you got the power, and we are holding these banners. And a lot of the times, this choir, this group of people who are praying, who are singing, they would go all the way to the battle line. They'd be carrying these banners. I don't know if you were like a part, if you were part of the choir then, or you're like playing an instrument, I would go like, I don't know that I want to be the person at the front, okay? Uh, but by design, we see this throughout the Old Testament, is they're walking up with their banners, and they're singing, and they're praying, and they're saying, this is the God that we worship. This is who we represent. You, know, you can only imagine the fear and the terror in people's hearts who came against the people of God. And, and behind them are David, they're the mighty men of war, they're getting ready, um, and they're ready to go, right? And so um, they say, hey, you hold up our banners, set up our banners, may the Lord fulfill all your petitions. Because at that very moment, they're asking, they're saying, Lord, let us be successful, let this be for you. So they had assurance of this, they were going to be saved because of who they were worshiping, because they had right sacrifice, because they were seeking the one true God wholeheartedly. And the last thing, last fill in the blank, is standing in trust. Standing in this trust. So, so we have confidence, we have this assurance. Um, then we got to take it a step further, right? I mean, you walk up to the battle line, you're going through the difficult situation in your life, and like the people of God going into battle, we've prepared, and we've been here in this place, we've been worshiping, uh, we've heard the word, but then we leave, right? We go back out into the world, we go to our jobs, go to our families, whatever situations we're in, and we're asking God to fulfill all these things, but then we've got to take it a step further and say, do we really trust? And ask ourselves that question, what do we trust in? Um, is it is it God? Is it He's like He was not some different God in the Old Testament that like He could win these major battles and He would give people victory by the sword, but He can't have. Sometimes we think He can't have victory in like these little instances, right? He can't have victory in our families. He can't have victory in our work. 
He can't give us that confidence, right? And so we look at those stories and we go, oh, he's so far removed. No, he's the same God, right? And so as we have this confidence, as we have this assurance, we look to this trust. And standing in trust, trust in verse 6, says, Now I know that the Lord saves his anointed. He will answer him from his holy heaven with saving the saving might of his right hand. And so we see this word again, holy, this word Kadesh. We've seen that before. And David actually takes a moment. He steps in. So as the choir's singing, it's kind of like an old gospel choir. You guys have probably heard them before. They're singing, and then you got, you got one of the worship leaders who steps in, and he like repeats some words. He says some things that are similar. And he's kind of trying to fire up the choir too. So as they're praying and they're singing, David steps in, and he says, Now I know that the Lord saves his anointed. He will answer him from his holy heaven with the saving might of his right hand. So you can imagine the setting. People of God are going up against the Philistines again, and they've had many battles, and they're going, when is this going to end? Like, God, are you still with us? Like, we believe that. They're singing about it, and David comes up. Can you imagine the king, the anointed king of Israel, who has won many battles before, all the way from these little battles that took place against bears and lions, which we would run away from, protecting his sheep, to the battle where he defeats Goliath, a Philistine, and where he takes his men into battle over and over and over again. And he stands up as the people are singing, and he says, I've got something to say. Now I know that the Lord saves his anointed. He will answer him from his holy heaven with saving, the saving might of his right hand. So what does David know? I mean, he's been through life, right? He's, he's coming to the end of his kingship, the end of his life. Solomon's getting ready to take over, and he's taking the people into battle. And he goes, let me remind you, because I've been through it. Um, and I love that. We do that for each other, too, because there's, like, difficult stuff that we go through. Um, and especially younger believers, they like, well, I've never had anything like this happen to me before. So what do we do? Like David, he, he knows how to trust God, right, in all circumstances. And he says, he says these words to help the people, because they're hearing the words of the choir and the praying and the singing and the reminding of who God is, and the warriors are getting ready. They're like, we know how to fight, but we need confidence, right? We need assurance, and more than that, we need to trust that God is in control. And David goes, hey, let me remind you of something. I know the Lord saves. Oh, man, that's, that's a word we need to hear every day, right? And when I read that, I was like, man, that's, that's what I needed to hear today. The Lord saves his anointed, those who belong to him. He will answer from his holy hill. So he, he answers us, right? He not only gives us that confidence as we trust in him, but he answers us. He gives us direction with a saving might of his right hand. Does, that, does David sound like somebody who's like, May I, maybe he'll help us here? I don't know. Maybe if we like dance around in the right way and we like throw this burnt offering over here and then maybe, you know, kind of like people worship the God of rain, like maybe it'll start raining. We need those crops, right? It's been a little bit of a you know, drought season here, hasn't it? We're like, please rain. Rained a little bit yesterday, so praise God for that. And so as David's singing this, he's not, he's not just saying, I'm not sure. He, goes, he says, I know. The question is, can we say that? Sometimes it's harder, right? Sometimes it's harder than at other times to say, I really do trust the Lord. But as David, he's going into battle, he goes, we've done this a few times. And you know what's always happened? God has taken care of us, and we should trust in him no matter what. So I love that. And in verse 7, we're, we're standing not in worldly things, right? So there's this comparison. So David says, some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we trust in what? We trust in the name of the Lord, our God. So what do people trust in? I mean, all kinds of things, right? Um, some people trust in the bailout, right? 
a government bailout. Some people, you know, they, they trust in, man, I kept my job, so that was really helpful during this season. And I know a lot of people didn't, and that didn't go well. Some people trust in their position or their status or their reputation. And David says he doesn't go to all that, although he's got a reputation he could use. He goes, hey, guys, I'm the king of Israel. See all these things we won? Yeah, it's probably going to go well this time too, right? No, he says some trust in chariots and some trust in horses. David's standing before his men, his mighty men who won a lot of battles. He goes, he goes, I'm not trusting in us, right? I'm not trusting in these chariots. I'm not trusting in these horses. I'm not trusting in what we're capable of or what we've done or what we've assembled. He says, but we trust in the name of the Lord. So the Lord here, the Jehovah, this ever-existing one, and he uses the word Elohim here again, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Here's who... We trust in. So we're not going to stand in all these other things because something's going to happen if we do. And David talks about it. I love this because he doesn't just say, hey, let's trust in the Lord. Let's go into battle. No, he takes it a step further. He said, let's trust in the Lord. Let's go into battle because the people we're fighting, yeah, they're not going to do so well because here's what they're trusting in. They're not trusting in the one true God. And so in verse 8, he says, the collapse and fall, they collapse and fall, but we rise and stand Upright. So what happens to those that trust in chariots? What happens to those who trust in like all the things that seem normal in life, right? I got power, I got position, I've got money, I've got status, I've got a good reputation, and I'm going to trust in that. I think it'll get me through life. I think it'll get me through the difficult seasons, and it, it never does, right? You always come to that point where there's something that happens, you're just going, yeah, that didn't mean anything when this difficulty came. And, and David says, they collapse and fall. And we've seen it over and over again, right? Um, they collapse and fall. And so those who have the Lord, those who trust in Him, not that it's not going to be difficult, He says, the world falls. Everything in the world, when we trust in it, falls. But what do we do? He says, but we rise and they stand upright. So He talks about Himself. He says, I trust. He says, I have confidence, but let me tell you why you should have confidence, right? You think of any great leader of any time, anybody who followed the Lord, what do they do? They always gave confidence to the people as well. They said, yeah, I trust the Lord, and you know, I'm not going to falter in this, but um, you know, good luck, guys. No, David says, here's what's going to happen to everybody else, because they don't trust in the Lord. They're going to collapse and fall, but we rise and stand, stand upright, because we trust in this name. And I love how he ends it here in verse 9. It says, O Lord, save the king. May he answer us. When we call. And so David gets done. He says, Let me remind you, I trust in the Lord. Here's why we should trust in the Lord. Here's what's going to happen to everybody else who doesn't trust in the name of the Lord. We're going to rise and stand upright. And the choir picks it back up and they say, Oh Lord, save the king. May he answer us when we call. Uh, in the Hebrew translation, it makes a little more sense. So when you're reading this in the Hebrew, it kind of sounds more like, Save Lord. May the king answer when we call. And when the people are singing, because David's been talking about God, he's not going, that's right, when the king stands up, then we're going to do well. When David, when me, David, king of Israel, stands up, here's what's going to happen. No, he's saying, here's who we need to trust in. We need to trust in the Lord. We have confidence. We have assurance. And we can have this trust, but it comes in this right perspective. And so as David gets done encouraging the people, the choir says one last thing, save, Lord. May the king answer when we call. And they were talking about God. They were talking about Elohim. They weren't talking about David. David's standing there going, don't put this on me, right? Because here's who we trust in. Here's who we have assurance in. Here's where we have our hope. And I hope 
that as we look at this, as we look at this living name, and as we see, you know, because we get to see kind of various battles, people going into battle, they're doing another one of these battles against the Philistines. It seems very repetitive, but there's something different that's taking place. David's at the end of life. He knows he's going to hand the reins over to somebody else, and instead of bolstering up himself, instead of saying, this is all about me, instead of saying, uh, guys, we got this, because, I mean, we've been doing it a little while, and I've been in charge, he says, here's what we need to trust in. I have confidence in the Lord. And here's why you can too, because he's got this great track record. He's done this before. And we can say, hey, uh, unapologetically, we trust in his name because we're going to the battle. We're fulfilling his purpose. And so I wonder, especially in this Father's Day, um, how do we keep perspective in this? How do we trust in him? Well, um, sometimes it's easier and we kind of see this picture lived out over the entirety of our lives. And so I want to show you just a, a tidbit of that. Maybe you think like, as men, as fathers. How do we do that? How do we trust in the name of the Lord? How do we give confidence to our, our friends, our family, and when it seems like this weight is just like crushing on us? Like, how do we live like David lived? Well, take a look.
So David said, and uh, fathers, this is what we should say. Now I know that the Lord saves his anointed. He will live. He will answer from his holy heaven, from saving from the saving hand of his right right hand. Some trust in chariots, some in horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. They collapse and fall, but we rise and stand upright. O Lord, save the king. May he answer us when we call. Or, like this, save, Lord. May the king answer when we call. So, it's Father's Day. It's not about doing things our own way, right? It's not about um, being a tough, you know, strong guy, right? Our parents, you know, our our kids, they want to see us like that. But at the end, we get this perspective, don't we? As we think about our parents and we think about the way that we live. So how do we do this? Well, we don't do it on our own, right? We have this assurance and we have this trust. Well, we know we have this assurance of salvation, the trust that we have in God and what he's already done for us. Look back while we're going forward. And so let me just remind you, maybe you're you know, here on Father's Day and um, you, uh, you've never put your faith and trust in Jesus. And I'll just tell it to you simply. Uh, this is what we do at play, things like VBS or with the kids. A, admit you're a sinner. B, believe that Jesus is God's son, that he died on the cross for your sins and he was raised from the dead on that third day. And C, confess with your mouth that he's the Lord of your life. Well, David knew what that was all about and he did that throughout his life. And he was able to say, well, I trust in this name. I have confidence in it. I have this assurance of salvation and I'm standing in the trust. And he certainly did that throughout his life. It may not be as hard as we think that it is. Maybe it just takes a little bit less relying on ourselves, okay? Um, so who do you trust in? Only you can answer that question. Um, and so I hope that you have a good Father's Day, and uh, think about that as you go, and uh, have fun and do whatever you're going to do today, okay? So let me pray for you, and then we'll have a, a few things to talk about afterwards. Uh, Father, we thank you uh, for the time together, uh, for your word. It seems at times like it's so hard to understand, God, but it's it's so simple to us, uh, presented so simple, that in a simple psalm like Psalm 20, um, you show us how to trust in you, how David just practiced it over and over and over again. And when he came to another battle, when it seemed like maybe things were going to be more difficult or it was a different situation, it was the exact same situation. And God, we can trust in you in all those things, that we can have that confidence in your name, the assurance of the salvation that we carry with us always, uh, and that this trust, well, who do we trust in? God, we uh, just want to openly say we trust in you. Um, no matter what comes, help us to navigate this. Help our fathers um, who are here, um, who set the pace for their families, um, like Christ you did for our church, um, like you do for our church. You're the head, like the father, the husband is the head of the house. And we just pray that uh, you would allow us to have that confidence in your name, that trust in who you are and your salvation that you've already given to us, like David did in one of his last battles. Uh, We pray that we could do this throughout our lives in every battle. And it's in your name we pray. Amen.